Hello, hello, and welcome back to Love and Grid. My name is Laia. I'm Justin. And I'm Rachel. Today's dope stories are plant-based and fashion lace. Kevin Parker and his Philly Fashion Week have placed Philadelphia on the world stage. Hear how and why he does it. Sisters Nakia and Tahira Stith aren't new to the plant space, but they have been true to it thanks to their dope botanicals. We have their stories for you as well, but first around the Philly faves and what we doing, Justin? What black business should people check out to shop for the holidays? Okay, I think about holidays and glowing and being happy. So I'm going with Divinity Skincare. They are an all-natural skincare plant-based establishment where you can get amazing facial scrubs, body washes, whatever you need for skincare. They will have you glowing, soft, luxurious. And it's great for like clarifying facials if you're traveling a lot or dark spots or dry skin. They've had a lot of events where they've um, invited the public to just come and sample and make and mix your own ingredients. It's about mind and make body. Make your own. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, that's cool. I really like them. Laia? Well, I'm going to just keep it real. You know, one of my favorite ones is actually our guest on the show, Dope Botanical. So you'll put that, write that one down. But also, because the wait, holiday. Wait, wait, a wait. Minute. No, I'm just saying. Wait a that was gonna be, we, love I'm say, we love all of our love and grief. Yes. But Justin would have called me out if I would have said. I got another one. I just wanted to get, I just wanted to, I just wanted to, you know, boost them up. Let's be fair. Let's be fair. I'm just so in awe. I'm just. hard time. Well, now you about to give me a, you about to give me another hard time because I was about to name, drop another love and grit guest because I. I believe the holidays are about the kids and not the grown-ups. So you need to go to Budabay. That's all I'm Love saying. It. Literally in my Instagram cart, because, yep, she got an Instagram store. I yeah. am ordering for all these damn babies that was made in the COVID. So because yeah. we know Auntie Laia loves yeah. kids. And we yeah. obviously love You're popular if you're sending those gifts. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, they're one of a kind. I can send some crowns and whatnot. So, yeah, I love it. Mine is Uncle Bobby's Books and Coffee. Oh. I just love it because it's got a little bit of everything. They have really good food. It's very neighborhoody. And, you know, it's in the northwest section of the city. And it's a staple there on Germantown Avenue. People are cute. They go there, too. They look good in there. That's why you like the layers. The clientele is very attractive. (laughs) (laughs) Not to mention the owner. Shout out to Dr. Mark Lamont Hill. Yeah, him, of course, too. The 101 reasons to visit. (laughs) <laughs> top 10 list. She, she's good for top 10 list because, you know, she's all we have to give her a shout out. She curated a list for title. Oh, so like Laia is all about the list. You're still at the top of my top co-host list. Yeah. Y'all are my favorites. But well, we're proud of you all she the says time. That about all her co-hosts. No, I, I really don't. <laughs> I never said that sentence out loud till today. So thank you. I Let's know, start I this show with our it. favorite co-host. <laughs> Okay, so we've told all kinds of stories here at Love & Grit. However, the story of how to create a fashion movement and produce a dedicated fashion week, which would grow to catch the attention of the elite, you know, New York, Paris. Yeah, we haven't told that one yet. Enter Kevin Parker, model turned self-taught stylist turned designer and oh, co-founder of Philly Fashion Week. 
The goal was to develop the reputation of Philadelphia's fashion industry, which not only improves the local economy with jobs and educational opportunities in fashion, but also makes Philadelphia and the surrounding areas a leader in the global fashion business. Well, almost 15 years later, New York Fashion Week's creator, Fern Malice, serves as an advisor and frequent judge. And the PFW brings the world of fashion to Philadelphia. We're talking over 75 international brands featuring over 1,000 local and surrounding area designers. So please, Kevin, there's so much more to your story. Can you tell us about the introduction of fashion into your life? Yes. So I went to Creative and Performing Arts High School in Camden, New Jersey. So I was a dancer initially, and then I got accepted into University of the Arts. So there's like this mind-blowing transition from high school being a performer to dancing two hours a day to dancing from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. every single day. So my body was in tip-top shape and I kept having people ask me like, you should model, you should model. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I did a couple photo shoots and then I did a couple fashion shows and I fell in love with the behind the scenes aspect of production and fashion shows and clothing. So that birthed my love for fashion. I then wanted to dive into wardrobe styling and creating a clothing line with my business partner who was managing my modeling career at the time was Carrie Scott. So from there, we started interning at all types of different fashion productions. When fashion shows would come to the city, we would try to participate and help backstage and learning all aspects of production. And when it came time, there was like fashion weeks popping up in different cities and we had built such an amazing network of individuals We were like, are we going to wait for somebody else to do it for us? Are we going to step out and do it ourselves? So we really kind of just stepped out on faith and did it. And honestly, we didn't have any real backing, but we made a lot of amazing connections. So our first season was at City Hall Courtyard. We got our staging sponsored, lighting sponsored, venue sponsored. And it was just an amazing two-day production. It was so so much fun. That's a dope venue, too, for the first year. What year was that? What year was the first one? And I was 19, 2006. Uh, right? He booked so City Hall point, at 19. Okay. <laughs> at what point were you connected with Fern Malice? And how did you make those type of connections for f- folks that aren't aware she's the creator of New York Fashion Week? Correct. We went through a bit of a transition. So basically, we had our first two productions and they were successful, but it wasn't like super successful out the gate because we didn't have like this. You're just starting out. Absolutely. Exactly. So there was another company who attempted to, I guess you could say steal our name, Philly Fashion Week, and try to do the same production. And it forced us to just regroup and figure out what we needed to do to be better and not to allow somebody to steal the brand that we have already started to create. We had like all these different people who wanted to support us and really uplift us because too many people hear about stories about people starting something that has like this amazing potential and then other people coming in and still in the fire or still in their business. So essentially we had like this huge production at Crane Arts Building, the Icebox. Amazing venue, all white facility. And we had international designers who were interested in participating that I already had relationships with. So essentially, when we regrouped, we took a year off and then we came back and produced that event in 2010. And when that happened, it was just like this resurgence of energy and excitement for fashion. And ever since then, we started doing our productions twice a year. And we really just wanted to make sure it wasn't just an entertainment-based show, but a business based production that designers can really take away opportunities and really have access to press, buyers, stylists, and people in the industry who could end up becoming clientele. 
when you continue to produce and you're constantly growing and you're producing quality, people start to take notice. So in 2013, we reached out to Fern Malice, who's the creator of New York Fashion Week, and she looked over like our productions that we've had in our press clips. And she was like, wow, I'm impressed. I'm interested to know more about you guys. Mm. And when she came down, she did a business to fashion workshop with our designers. So she reviewed their collection. She talked to them about pricing, sourcing, about the industry, where it's going, and what she appreciated about their brands, what they needed to work work on individually as businesses. And the designers were so excited about that. And that was the season that Macy's came on as a sponsor as well in alignment with Firm Malice. So all the stars were aligning. And ever since she's been our partner ever since coming down to the shows, critiquing the collections of the designers. And we've even built upon that business of fashion workshop. So now we're in partnership with the Council of Fashion Designers of America, which is like the White House of Fashion. How much fashion is there in Philly? It's amazing fashion here in Philly. We have so many designers who are doing amazing things. You have your Jingtrix. We actually discovered Jingtrix and we kind of managed their career when they were first starting out. Now they're like Jingtrix. Jingtrix, yes, T R I X. And now they're dressing Janet Jackson, Lizzo, Alicia Keys, Beyonce. The list goes on. And these are all current things, but they've been building their business over the years. They've shown in New York Fashion Week, they've been featured in Essence and W Magazine and all these different major publications. You have Iris of these pink lips she had a window storefront at bird goodman when her items were purchased they were all sold out she's dressing cardi b she's dressing mary j blige she's dressing billy porter the list goes on she's been featured in numerous publications including vogue there are so many designers in philly who are doing so many amazing things but it gets diluted because we're always operating in these different like patches they're doing their own thing Mm -hmm. And what our thing was, we wanted to bring everybody together to really heighten and really showcase the impact that we have globally for our local designers and what they're doing. Like they're doing so many amazing Uh, things. I know you didn't list everyone, but who's the person? I know the Franklin Institute just announced Disney 100 and that world premiere of the exhibit will be here in 2023. But isn't there a Philly designer that is associated with like Disney and shoes or? Yes. What is, is it Ruthie? What is the name? Ruthie Davis. Davis. So yes. Ruthie Davis is iconic. So she's originally from New York, but she lives in Philadelphia now. Mm-hmm. She has a deal with Disney. So every time they come out with one of their feature films, she creates the shoe that's inspired by like a Disney princess. She so has she a Milan, Milan. She has the Milan shoe. She yeah. did the whole like rollout where she had students that she mentored that helped come up with the shoe from the University of Delaware. She created this amazing shoe called the Warrior Shoe. And then she had the shoe fits me which is the cinderella shoe so she's creating all of these amazing things that she really utilizes and mentors students and future entrepreneurs to show them the ropes in the the business her shoes have been on zendaya j-lo beyonce the list goes on these people are doing amazing things we have so much power and that's the part when you said power i want you to talk a little bit about the economic impact and what that brings to the city for business owners and our overall business development, like why that's so important. It's so important because, so I'm going to start with the CFDA. Our partnership with the CFDA, we host educational programming and we have resources and opportunities that we provide to our designers within our community. So basically, we'll come up with a year-long curriculum with the CFDA and we'll have educational programs for our designers to participate in. Because we have a lot of entrepreneurs, but not everybody knows all aspects of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So a designer may know how to make a garment and sell e-commerce, but they may not know how to navigate the retail space. So we teach them 
them about their contracts and how to navigate the retail space, whether it's a small boutique or a big box store in the pitfalls that other people have failed from. So we just try to teach them the ropes. So we have different people that come in and teach them about their contracts, what they should look out for, how they should navigate the space and just things to be prepared for and things to have to stop them from falling to the wayside. Cause it's a lot of money that comes into it when you place these orders with these big box stores. Mm-hmm. If you're not able to place your order, that'll be the last order they ever order from. Right. You. They if don't give you a second chance. Order, exactly. You don't get a second chance. A lot of people don't realize that returns and things like that, that impacts the designer overall. And that's a lot mm-hmm. of investment that the designer has to pay back to the store at the end of the day. So it is a lot of minute things that we try to teach our designers and entrepreneurs to make sure they're successful at the end of the day. And not only that, but International designers who are looking to break into the U.S. market a lot of time opt out of New York and showcase in Philly because of vicinity to the industry in New York. We're just a, a hop, skip, and a jump away. Just a train ride. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So what they do is they invite their buyers, they invite their investors, they invite any of their clientele or anybody that they're interested in having here that they would have at their show in New York where they would showcase here. And then that also benefits our local designers. So we have a lot of travelers that come in. We book up hotels. We host events at restaurants. We hold shopping events. Speaking of shopping events, I wanted to ask you your relationship with the retail spaces in Philadelphia. And if you could highlight a few of the retail spaces that you feel like really support the Philly fashion community. Yes. Joan Shep is a huge support for local entrepreneurs. Tuesday! Yes, yes. Tuesday, Tuesday. So they mm-hmm. definitely have helped a lot of local designers get shelf space. But Macy's has been an amazing partner with us since 2014 when Farm Malice first came on board with us as well. So we've partnered with Macy's over the years. So we've hosted our Macy's fall fashion shows. We highlight independent designers. We host like seminars and workshops at Macy's. And then Fashion District Philadelphia has been an immense any really yes so they have been one of our presenting sponsors before they even opened and yes y'all had events there i remember that yes. y'all had yes yeah so we first- had a number of events there we've hosted our student competitions there because we, we make sure that we give back to the students as well that was my so next student, question yes yeah, so our student competitions we give our student winner a thousand dollars and they get an opportunity to meet our industry insiders so just for say this past september we had the president of cfda firm mm-hmm. malice creator of New York Fashion Week, Mickey Bortman, who's the editorial director of Paper Magazine, which created the iconic, like yeah. he had so many editorials that broke the internet. Then you have the owner of Fab Scrap. So we had like this whole business workshop that our designers participate in every season, but we started allowing our student designers to participate in those things as well. So that just helps with the education. It really feeds them the energy and the knowledge that they need to be able to become our next wave of entrepreneurs. You know what I love about the folks you just mentioned, that not only do they get to see what's new coming out of Philadelphia and what we're about, but they stay during Fashion Week, obviously, and they're getting to experience Philadelphia, greater Philadelphia firsthand. You were really instrumental in making sure that all those folks that you named attended our Philadelphia Polo Classic. They were able to see a different side of Philadelphia and all of the offerings. That makes it so special, but that keeps you so busy. We know that you're connected with whether it's Welcome America and a fashion show or Um, Our initiative for fraternities and sororities, you know, inviting them here, you participated with and held a fashion show at our golf outing. So what are you doing out of market and what do you have coming up 
to make sure that you're really shining an even brighter spotlight in all of Philadelphia's cultural offerings. But one of the things I want to say before I start is we hosted all of our special guests at the W because we wanted them to see like the best of what the city had to offer from hotel and restaurants. So we had like hosted them in a few different restaurants and we wanted to make sure they saw the city for what it has to offer. And these are beautiful things because these are stakeholders in the fashion industry. President of CFDA has a lot of power. So if they see a designer locally that they want to help put in place to a major opportunity, those things can happen. Fern Malice has actually provided a lot of our designers, a lot of major opportunities of things that she kind of plays the background of and people reach out to these designers and they don't realize that she's the one that made that plug for them. So it's just a lot of things that we make sure our hmm. designers benefit from, from the people that we have come to these productions. But yeah, things that we're doing out of market, for instance, I just shot my first movie as a wardrobe stylist. Yeah. Um, Congratulations. Tell us what I it saw was. that on the ground. You know, just so happens, I ended up getting my first acting role as well, being the wardrobe stylist for the production. And then they're like, what movie? Can you tell us role? what movie? I can't. I can't, I can't talk about it yet. Dang, but, can you um, tell us who you style? Don't let her get you in trouble. <laughs> It'll come out soon. It'll come out really soon. I'll make sure okay. you know. But I also style for Harper's Bazaar. So I've styled several covers for Harper's oh, that's Bazaar. Awesome. We feature mostly independent designers that we work with through Philly Fashion Week. That's awesome. Make sure that we highlight the household names like the Gucci, the Fendi and all of those, but I make sure I tie in all of my independent designers as well, where we're doing all of these international publications and working with all these international brands. And then because we had to teach ourselves how to do PR, marketing, sponsorships, all of those things, people hire us to do productions for them out of market. So we go to LA to do productions. We go to New York to do productions and produce events for independent designers or black tie events, or we do installations. Now we do the uh, windows for Fashion District Philadelphia. We recently did an um, installation for King of Prussia Mall. So we're doing a lot of things all over because people see the impact that we have and we're not one dimensional. You should do one at the airport, too, by the way. They yeah, have a be lot dope. of space and that'll yeah, be a great exactly. spot for you to get people who may not even be coming into the city, but passing by. How do you maintain? I'm going to ask this question very carefully. How do you maintain being a black man in this space? I think what inspires me the most was lack of access when I first started out. I couldn't go and turn to New York Fashion Week because I wasn't a fashion student. I didn't get the auditions to audition at New York Fashion Week as a model. And there were so many designers who were like, oh, I got to move out of the city in order to make it. And I'm like, we have to build infrastructure here for our designers to be able to be confident and staying here, opening their businesses, opening brick and mortars. There is more to retail than Gucci, Fendi, and all of those major brands. And I think we have to redefine what that looks like. And I'm like, there are Soho's in different places. You go to LA, you go to their fashion district, you see these independent designers with brick and mortars. You go to New York, you go to Soho, you see these designers who come from Paris and everywhere else who have their brick and mortars. And I'm like, we need to do that for our own designers and really provide them an economic opportunity to grow and scale and be able to open multiple locations. And that's a part of the reason why we created the Fashion and Garment Industry Task Force. So myself and my business partner, Carrie Scott, are the chair of the Fashion and Garment Industry Task Task Force, which was made official by the city of Philadelphia in February.
February of 2020. So we have 15 board members, including Fern Malice. We have the Philadelphia Fashion Incubator that's involved. Angela Edmonds, who's the chair of our designers. We have uh, Mate Institute. We have Fashion District Philadelphia, Jefferson University, Moore College of Art. All the major fashion entities are a part of this task force. And we did a um, SWOT analysis and we created this report. And the report was so amazing that when we had our hearing with the city, that they unanimously approved it and adopted our report to be able to really implement real change and economic development and equal opportunity for designers of color in the city of Philadelphia. So we're creating all types of things. And it's been like a struggle, of course, because sometimes people don't realize the economic impact that fashion really has. If we invest in our fashion community and our entrepreneurs, we're able to grow and that will directly affect people traveling to the city because it affects how people people will come here to shop. One of the recommendations that we came up with was taking over vacant retail spaces and hosting extended pop-up shops for independent designers who are looking to scale. And the idea is to offset the cost enough to where that designer can really create real economic power within the business. And then they can either take over that lease or move into another location where they could afford the rent and be able to be a standalone business. And that will continue to grow and that alone as jobs. That is that in process, has, Kevin? Is that, in process? that is in process. We're working with different people through city government to make these things happen. There are so many local entrepreneurs that we support and we came together and created our own little government, if you will. And we support each other. We work together. We, we make sure that everybody has the resources that they need. So when we have our list of educational programming through the CFDA and everybody's mm. like, this pertains to my business, we make sure they are part of that. So and wait, tell that, everybody the website, because I'm like, as you're saying, and it's designers are listening and like, I'm not a part of this. Uh, how do I do that? So it's supportphillyfashion.org. You can be listed. It's for free. We list brands. We highlight uh, brands. Our heart is really for the community. And honestly, this is the social responsibility that we have. Okay, folks, get your notes app open and let's get ready for this conversation that is sure to give us some good ideas on replenishing our mind, body, and soul. It may seem like a heavy lift, but not for the sisters of dope botanicals. Yes, sisters in all sense of the word. Nakia and Tahira Sith are not new to a plant-based holistic lifestyle. They are beyond true to it. Their father introduced the idea of improving their whole health through better consumption, introducing a plant and herb-based lifestyle to the girls in an early age. He also added a healthy heap of community activism and pride that would give the ladies a reason to share their knowledge. The Herbalist and Certified Integrated Health Practitioners initially launched Beans and Brains, their food and juice business, which provided health coaching. However, it is their brick and mortar, dope botanicals in Rittenhouse that has these healthy streets buzzing. Tell us how this all got started. Were you working on this when you were living at home with your parents in like high school or did this come later? <laughs> Oh my gosh, it feels like it's been forever. When I was 10, our dad came home. Well, she wasn't born yet. Oh, you're that far apart. We're 13 years apart. Oh, that's a big gap. Yeah, yeah. I would have never been able to guess who was older yeah, or younger. I don't know who's yeah. older and who's younger. That's crazy. Y'all are beautiful. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, thank you. So our dad, he goes, yeah, we don't eat this anymore. We don't eat that. And, and I go, oh, okay. He goes, read this book. And I said, okay, because our parents were young when they had me. And so when you have young parents, you go on their journeys of self-discovery with them. So I read this book and I go, okay, all right, I get it. And we started to change our diet as a family. Then it's like, oh, guess what? You're going to have a sibling. 
he goes to the herb store, he buys this book, and I feel like I was forever changed by the childbearing year by Susan Weed. Once she was born, I was there when my sister was born, and I just thought, this is the way. And I was really brought in after that. Mm -hmm. And by the time you came, that was it. That's all I knew. I was raised and brought into this lifestyle of going to the health food store multiple times a week, yeah. having all the good weird lunches. And that was just our life. What was a weird lunch you'd bring in? Was anybody oh, trading I mean, you? Oh, no. No, no. no. <laughs> no I mean, like alfalfa sprouts on your sandwich, you know, all the good health food store, very thick, hard brown bread. Yeah. You know, nothing too fluffy because it was it was no wonder bread. No. Would they, even, would they even want y'all to eat anything from school? Like, were y'all allowed to eat anything no, they gave you? No, we all the time. No. Yeah, I went to a pretty progressive private school and we grew up, I will say that there was a community of Black vegans, Black vegetarians, but there wasn't a word for a vegan, right? Yeah. So that's some new phenomena that yeah. people act like has been around forever. It hasn't. No. You could have been a vegetarian and then you were like a strict vegetarian. Yeah. No. yeah. So, yeah. And not so to mention the, the fish thing, whatever that was too. That wasn't a word. Pescatarian. It's like this whole community of that's Black great. people our age that were raised to be in like, yeah. we're eating all the veggie meats before the tofus and the things. Before, the, before yeah. Just when there was eating. no vegan cheese. There was none of that. <laughs> There, there was, was none. none. There was none, right? But the this has been your whole life. Hard. Most yeah. people, it's not even a section. So how do you decide that you two want to work together to open Dope Botanicals? Was that the goal or did it just happen along the way? I think it came naturally because after you graduated from college, right? You were yeah. looking for. Uh, so I graduated. Then we started doing vegan really heavy. And our yoga instructor was like that I would eat vegan and somebody cooked for me and we were like what we'll make the food but even before that I felt like you were trying to find your way after you graduated because yeah, I wasn't quite yeah. sure what I wanted because what was and your said, what was your major oh I was a marketing major okay this is good okay yeah okay. yeah I was a bio major oh perfect and I said well why don't we do something together yeah so then like this wild ride he says well somebody cooked for me we were like all right we'll make you some food and they loved it so much. She was like, we should sell this at the studio. We was like, oh, well, I guess so. All right, let's try. So then we started selling food at the studio. We do this like micro juicery thing. And then we like selling juice now. And then it's like growing out of control. It was all based off the text messages. Yeah. We started doing lunches for a school. Y'all did lunches that. for a school? That's yeah, dope. Because, because, because teachers, teachers can't leave. They can't leave. And they'd be hungry. Right. Also for and the they, teachers at the school. Yeah, mm -hmm. for the teachers. So then I would do some stuff with the kids there because I also did plant-based education for children, but that was later on. You know, one night we like looking at each other on the couch and we just were I like, said, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm like, you tired? We're like, tired. Yeah, we're tired. We're done. So we had to end that. But we always had the dream of something bigger, something more. And entrepreneurship, that wasn't nothing but a word because mm. that's what I've been doing since I graduated from college. And people would ask us for health advice yeah, all the time. All the time. Because we have no shortage of remedies. Y'all right. said that real easy. Okay, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> but all right. So we'd be like, what about this or what about that? And I said, you know, maybe we should formalize this thing. Mm-hmm. And we just worked to formalize it. We went and got all the appropriate certifications so that we could just start creating 
And we were thinking like, well, what is it that we do? What do we do? And she goes, we create dope botanicals. But that is what we do. We make dope botanicals. And from there, it just started to make sense that we could create the herb store that we always wanted to go to. Yeah. Did you ever think it would be in Rittenhouse Square? Yeah. No, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the best answers ever given on this podcast. They they both looked to the ceiling. So we had been looking for space for like five plus. Oh, yeah. Like we had run the gamut of any neighborhood in Philly you could think. We've been courted by developers. Like even (laughs) all of this stuff, we've done it all. We've done all the testing. But our no muscle is strong. Our no muscle is really strong. I'm sorry, your what muscle? Our no muscle. We will say no. no to oh, different. oh, yes. Oh. No is a complete sentence. Yes, because people lie about foot traffic and how many oh, people yeah. are in that area. And because you're new to knowing that, what would you know about foot traffic? I mean, that's yes. like something that people work in retail know about. They, you know, they count people going by yep. to know how many mm-hmm. people walk by on a weekly, daily, monthly basis. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you do business. But talking to somebody who's like an entrepreneur, about that you need experts and that stuff yeah. to like yeah. do that so, and i feel like they try to get people who are oh, like yes. you guys are focused on botanicals not on that kind of stuff mm-hmm. yes but we love to do research so we will research something all the way down till we become semi-experts in it at this point yeah. we can read commercial leases and see all the fine print and all the lies yeah. in between. so we'll sit outside we'll do the count We'll yeah. run the numbers and we'll make sure, is this viable here? Is this yeah. feasible? Is this our target audience? Is this the demographic? Do these people have what it takes for us to sustain a business here? Is yeah. this a location where people don't mind traveling to? You know, so we did yeah. everything like that. And that is Rittenhouse that, though, right? Like well, Rittenhouse is an area where people will we, go. We yeah. landed there because we might be green, but we ain't stupid. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So we're going to do the research, like you said. We're going to figure it out. And when that opportunity presented itself, we were on the heels of some very interesting things. And we just thought, now's the time. And when we went into the space, we thought, this is it. Yeah, we saw it and we were like, it could work here. We really think this could work here. Because we were princesses in the pig. Yeah, we were. (laughs) You know what I mean? We were like, "Eh, it's still a little rocky here. But when we walked in, we said, this is it. And how about the community there, the community of entrepreneurs and stores? Have they, I feel like they would just welcome the hell out of y'all. Yeah, everybody's been good. Everybody's been great. Like we had no complaints. We had I awesome think everybody's neighbors. happy to have you. Like you bring is, up the area around you. Right. So our idea was so important to us to make herbs feel luxurious. Because we really do believe that your body is your most luxurious possession. We Without thought, selling like, essential oils. <laughs> yes. And stinking up the place, right? <laughs> you don't have to have hairy armpits and empty hammer pants on to be an herbalist. Like, I that's just not true. And like, how do y'all make it not scary? Because not for nothing, I got a nice little kid of like six tinctures, right? I mean, I, Justin, I don't know where you where you at in your, your holistic living, but it can be very <laughs> intimidating. I mean, it from the, the name to like what you need essentially yeah. like how do y'all navigate people through there the beginnings of that we do not lie we are non-judgmental but we tell the truth one thing that we say all the time is you can't out herb a bad diet so when you come in the store 
you feel good in the space. There's music playing. It feels really good. It doesn't matter whether you're entry level or an adept. When you come in, you feel good about yourself. And you can start off at our drink bar. Yeah. So we have an herbal drink bar where you can start off. And explain because y'all, I read an article somewhere where y'all said, we know that a lot of people do juices, but we ain't that place. We don't do throw everything in a smoothie. Break that down, what y'all meant. Okay. So, you know, when people get the opportunity to be healthy, sometimes they go too far. They'll try to throw the whole kitchen sink into their smoothie to feel like it can correct all the ill from last night or all the wrongdoing from the week before. It does not matter if you put spirulina, kale, carrots, cauliflower, any other vegetable salad into your fruit smoothie. It's not going to help what you did the other day. So that in the end, it's nasty. And it gives you digestive success. Yeah, and then you have gas. Right. And you come back and you say, oh, man, that smoothie didn't sit right with me. But you were wrong. You shouldn't have did that. So when you walk in, we do have some smoothies which highlight our herbal powders. But the menu is set. There's no change in it. There's no adjustment. <sighs> There's no adding. It's formulated to be healthy and delicious. Mm. So that's just what it is. You're not going to add this, this and that to it. Maybe well, that a lot of that adding it. is people doing upcharges. Yeah, it, well, mm-hmm. yeah, sweetening yeah. it up, but also it putting uh, it's for the it business. Is. It's just upcharges. Yeah. They make yeah. money on those things. But that's that shows true. that you're really good business women, that you're not just trying to say, yeah. oh, yeah. for this powder, it's two dollars more in this powder. You're saying like this is medicine. Yeah. Yes. And it takes and it's set at that and that's what you need and if there's something else you need then we could give you a different recommendation one smoothie the bliss it's a feel good smoothie but you're not going to put spinach in that oh chocolate and tahini. but i put spinach in all of my smoothie you okay don't have to though. but i thought i was low on iron so i needed i didn't okay but well that's okay, that's okay. if you want to add spinach to it but if you come to Dope Botanicals, there's a smoothie with spinach in it already. So and that's the one. one. So then okay. You go with that one, but you want okay. the bliss for that. And that's okay. Oh, I'm learning. We're practitioners, right? We're mm-hmm. trained practitioners. So when we bring something to the table, we make sure that it's done to the best that we can do it. So everything in our shop is organic or wildcrafted. So mm. we don't give no trash. And we don't charge you an amount for something that's got pesticides and GMOs. We're committed to organics. We're committed to working with farmers that create and farm organically that have sustainable practices. So those are our commitments. But I feel like sometimes when people walk in, it is the mistake of, to your point, of correcting every ill in one shot. Yeah, yeah, and it they just are. doesn't go like that. Or thinking that I'm in the healthy place and I'm going to pretend. So we get right. a little bit of that. Like, well, I, I don't really eat that. If you eat that, that's fine. But we can't help unless we know what's really going on. Hmm. So just be honest. Work from where you are. And then we'll figure out a path together because yeah, well, we're all trying to work on something. It's the wild, wild west and the sea moss game. That's what I feel like now, oh, too. Like, God. oh, do y'all even do y'all even do that in your store? So, we don't sell sea moss because everybody else does. Yeah, there's many other seaweeds in the ocean as well. Yeah, sea moss is fantastic, it right? Is. It is really good for you. But, but so it's seaweeds you're talking concerns. about and upper mosses. Yeah, because yeah. we have concerns now about over cultivation. 
or what's really going on now that everybody thinks that they can have steam off all the time. A lot of things that we specialize in the shop are tonic herbs. We tell people that you need to take tonic herbs. Tonic herbs are herbs that grow everywhere. They're available to us all the time. Um, They are most often weeds, things like dandelion. Very difficult to kill a dandelion, right? Okay. Even with some of the worst sprays, right? Yeah. Dandelion. The most chemical back. of lawn sprays can't kill can't a dandelion. Can't kill a dandelion. You know, dandelion, they'll grow six feet into the earth like dirt. And those are the things that they utilize their roots to suck up these minerals for us. But we need dandelion and it's available all the time to let us know that we can partake in it. Mm. Yeah, like there's a class of herbs, like these tonic herbs. They grow plentiful so that you know you can always have them. Some of these herbs that people take all the time are not tonic herbs. They are supposed to be used for acute issues. And is that like ashwagandha? That is a class of adaptogens. That's yes. a separate See, class just, of herbs. Oh. Ashwagandha is fantastic. We love ashwagandha and we recommend it a lot because we're urban herbalists, right? So everything for us is how can we take care of our nervous systems? You know, after a year, you might want to reassess, but it is an herb that has to get into the system and it takes at least a month for you to experience that nature's chill pill effect. And also, I'm there are certain things that are really popular now, like moringa. Yeah, moringa is great. Moringa is fantastic. We love her. Super high in vitamins. Right. It's a lot of markers, almost like nature's multivitamins. Moringa is excellent. Can we online Mm -hmm. shop at Dope Botanicals? We are working on it. We are working on it. Um, We need y'all to, um, wait, I need that. But in the meantime, tell everybody where you're located. Yeah. We are located 257 South 20th Street. This is just great gift for people. Gift Mm -hmm. certificates to get them to get in there. Get you a gift certificate to get consultation. Yes. Well, we're starting consultations in the new year. We're super, super grateful. The store has outpaced many of our own goals and predictions for the first year. That's nice to hear. Congratulations. But that's because of all your hard work. Yeah. Thank you. We really appreciate it. We're super we grateful for the response it's gotten, how well it's been received, and the warm welcome from the community and all of Philadelphia. For everything love and grit, follow us on social at Love Grit Philly. And you can find out about all the black businesses that are selling amazing stuff for holidays. Don't you guys love going to local shops and buying stuff for people? I actually like like doing that yeah. and ordering stuff online. I, I like, like that. that because we also know the business owners and we're supporting not only them, but Philly's economy. And everyone has a special, unique story. So I think that's really special. I also like our social media page because it is popping and you can get everything that you need in short. So yeah, make sure that you visit Love Red Philly.